Let's wish our audiences a wonderful Lunar New Year. Yay! Who is the wish first? 祝大家身体健康，年年有余，龙年行大运。哎，没有留言点给我。Okay, wishing everybody all the wonderful memories and wishes for two zero two four, and thank you for supporting NOTG channel. Alright, one, two, three, love. Welcome back to NOTG. Before we start, we just want to thank all our supporters and audiences that has signed up for our NOTG free Telegram channel. So if you have not uh, seen some of our ads on our new Telegram channel, please click on the link below. This Telegram channel basically is for our NOTG community. You can just enter. You get you get to see all the other uh, members right inside the NOTG group. Basically, it's for us to chit chat a little bit. And uh, of course, all our NOTG call uh, teammates will be there as well. We'll do our best to, uh, of course, uh, just to chat with you whenever we can. But of course, you guys are free, are free to chat among yourself just to discuss about anything related to real estate as well as our content on NOTG channel. So just want to thank everybody for the support for Nuggets on the Go over the years. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about one part of uh, my painful journey. If you have not seen this um, episode previously, it was an episode that I talk about my entire journey all the way when I started when I got married in two thousand and four. Back then, I looked really like an Abing. Please help to flash the picture. A little bit after I got married, I was transformed by my wife. So, uh, and then of course, subsequently we have children, four kids now. Uh, my first home was a HDB four room with just three months of pay slip. I went to buy a resale flat. My wife just started working as well. I started working as a prison officer, which just three months pay slip. And of course, thankfully with the government HDB CPF grant, we got our first home with almost zero down payment because everything was was paid off by uh, the grant for the first set of down payment, and we took a HDB loan. If you're not seen the episode, just click. On the link below, that'll bring you back to the episode. Couple of rounds back. Now, I want to focus on this part because there was um, an audience has asked me about this question. That was the the portion also that I left out previously during the episode because it will be too long to talk about that. So I want to touch on this portion right here. The most painful part of my journey actually was here when I bought the HDB jumbo flat. This home I shared during a previous episode that there were no regrets on doing that in terms of happiness level. So I would like to talk about two main frameworks. Number one framework is that when we buy a property for our own stay, the first fundamental base framework, uh, maybe let me just draw a triangle. Can you all see the triangle? <laughs> okay. The base fundamental framework is that we should not time the market because we're in Singapore. If we're in overseas, whereby 50% of the demographics usually are renting properties. For example, let's say you go to Bangkok. Bangkok, um, a lot of citizens from all over Thailand, they come into Bangkok and then of course they rent because they want to work there. There's a lot of existing localized uh, tenant demand. And thus when you buy a property there, of course it's very easy to rent out. But of course, it's a very different demographic because supply is of a different level compared to Singapore with very fixed land and scarce land. So when you look Look at Singapore with 90% home ownership rate. The way that we look at the residential market is very different because nine out of 10 people own properties here. And if you do not own a property, basically it's very easy to be priced out. So do not time the market. I made a mistake right here. I timed the market. And of course I suffered a loss here because the market actually shot up 
uh, after six months of Lehman Brothers that happened in 2008 October. So 2008 October, the market actually crashed. And of course, when the market crashed, by 2009, around March to April, the market picked up on an accelerated phase. And of course, back then I thought that, you know, the market will start to go down again, but actually it didn't. And I tried to time the market. Back then, I also shared that uh, because I was very, uh, sort of like very focused uh, in doing sales in the real estate business as a, as a one-man realtor, I didn't really spend time to understand, to read up, to learn about property investment framework. The main mistake was here in a sense that the second thing is on your happiness index. What is the happiness index when it comes to buying a property? Happiness index is uh, the index that you and your family, in terms of a preference level priority, will feel happy or not happy on a scale of one to 10. So your happiness index is from one to 10. What is the happiness index of buying this property? I feel very happy buying this uh, jumbo flat because there are four bathrooms, four good sized bedrooms. And of course, my family is on a single level. My family enjoy, my kids grew up there. We enjoyed the entire time all the way from 2011 until 2019 for full about eight years. That decision back then didn't factor in the third part of the triangle, which was the investment methodology index. Now, the rationale is because of this. If you do not factor in this, of course, naturally, you, you can enjoy the property. But sometimes, if you didn't take this into consideration, this might be a property that when you live in it, but you defer the opportunity for your property that you're living in to see capital appreciation. And time is something that we cannot buy back, which is why we don't time the market. Now, this eight years, I can't buy back already. Of course, during this eight years journey, I co-invested with some friends in a, in a residential investment property. There was also another question to ask me what this property is about. I'll make this in another episode. I also uh, made a mistake with buying an overseas property, uh, investing in a commercial property, which until today I can't sell uh, because uh, there's just no exit demand. Then of course, I subsequently sold off this property because this was a very good property. I made some gains here. But though I exited in 2019, there was an eight years period that technically I cannot buy back anymore. This eight years... Also with a period that it was um, a period whereby I have some of the uh, increasing uh, buying power as a, as, a, as a home buyer in the sense that my income level was increasing. I was still young. Loan tenure was still long. Of course, I'm not very old now. Huh? Uh, I still have quite a long uh, loan tenure period to go. But compared to back then, these eight years, I cannot buy back. Now, why is it so? This theory, let me allow you to share with it uh, using one of the case study that we did in one of our webinars. This were one of the, the 18 webinars that we did last year. We did 20 in total, 18 were webinars, two were live debates uh, that was done in our PRB office. So this year round, just a quick uh, sneak preview is that we're also gonna have webinars every month. We're also gonna have live debates as well. So do click on this link go to propertymarts.com. So there's a webinar tab. You're going to see this webinar tab. Click on it. You'll be updated of the webinar dates. So there's also a replay on 29 Feb on our expansion strategy as well. But I'm going to give you a quick preview on what we talk about during one of the case study in the expansion strategy. So this was a case study that I shared. It's called the power of reinvestment, leveraging your first property for future expansion. Now, this was a case study of um, a homeowner that we successfully has, has helped. So this couple, they bought this DBSOS direct 
from uh, HDB. And of course, DBSS is still launched by HDB, but just that it was constructed by a private developer. But this scheme was scrapped off already. That was in 2010. They bought at 735. After four years of construction, that was 2014 plus five years of MOP 2019, as you can see here. When they sold it, and uh, they sold through PLB. We sold for them at 928000 At the year of 2022, we went back to review the price. Average price of the property was about 960 But of course, now it has crossed a million. This is 2024 already. Why is this uh, important? Is because if they had not done the switch, they would have lost $368,000. Now, why is that so? Because when they did the switch in 2019 to... The new property, and this was Sterling Residences back then. Sterling Residences back then, it was about 1,006 plus PSF. When it was launched, people were also saying that, hey, wow, at the year 2019, PSF is like a new benchmark as well because it was like quite a high PSF level back then. People were a little bit concerned, but of course, the sales still went on and eventually it was sold out. It's now, of course, a very successful project. They bought a three-beta compact at 1.735 million and... um. At the year 2022, when we review back the price, when TOP, it was 2.135 million. And of course, uh, today we already helped them to sell off this property. They have already cashed out and of course went to buy a bigger property already. Now, if they have stayed on with the initial HDB in year 2022, basically they will have seen an appreciation in the HDB at $32,000 more. But they will have lost out on $368,000 because this switch technically made them $400,000 in terms of capital appreciation. So that is what we mean in the fact that when they made a decision back then to exit, they actually have a higher capital gain back then by reinvesting and leveraging the first property capital profits for dual expansion. So of course, eventually, uh, this was what happened. Of course, uh, we also showcased some of the, the key statistics on the unit that they exited. And um, now when we look at this, this was their sequence, their portfolio flow. So they bought in 2010, they were a young couple. Back then, their earning power was not that much. In 2019, their uh, earning power has increased. So after MOP, went to buy a new project. TOP, rented out for a year. Sold after they rent out for a year. Rebought a new resale at a bigger unit. So this was their portfolio. And of course, we're, we're consistently helping our clients to plan their journey as well, depending on the market trend and the market cycle. So back to basically my story. Why is it related? It's because of this. If I were to just uh, share with you, during this portion when I bought it, I bought at 567000 So this was like a, a jumbo HDB. But back then, I was contemplating this or I still remember it's about 600 over 1000 Later, I'll just go into the price. I was thinking about buying a D19 condo. 600 over 1000 Back then, because I didn't do my homework, I didn't understand the fundamentals of uh, real estate investment frameworks. I didn't invest time to learn. I didn't have that confidence. I don't know about macro. I don't know about micro investment framework, which is why every time in NOTG, we talk about macro first. Then we talk about micro. Because if you don't understand macro frameworks, you don't have the confidence to invest based on micro frameworks. Because if you don't understand the entire demand and supply situation in Singapore, you naturally don't have the confidence to go into any private residential properties. If you talk about landed property investment or just condo investment, you will already be begun with like a fearful kind of a mentality. So eventually, once I surpass that stage, why is it that here now, after I started PLB, and that was like in 2018, 2019, I started to 
to really chart out my entire uh, personal property portfolio journey. And I bought residential property in 2019, bought another uh, investment property in 2022. And first 2022 and 2023, we bought four industrial properties plus one overseas property. My goal now, of course, is that every year I want to look at some level of investments. But most importantly is that I started to understand and I started to combine certain framework that has already existed in the market. For example, I started to go very deep into certain economics book just to understand more deeply about inelasticity, demand and supply. Uh, I started to take certain frameworks from um, the stock market as well, just to understand what is like the fear and the desire kind of like mindset and index. And can we really apply whatever happens in the stock market to real estate? And which I realized that we can't do that. But of course, there were also learning points on dividend play, how certain frameworks can actually be applied to, to rental play kind of concept as well. And uh, volume effect in terms of like certain transactions of certain stocks. Why is it that when popularity happens, the certain stocks behaves differently? And similarly, why is it that certain condos, even though is 99 years when popularity happens, they tend to outperform even smaller freehold projects with low volumes. And that's, that's how we started to craft out volume effect. And of course, I also combine another framework is on the fixed supply framework ratio from certain kind of uh, alternative assets. Using that framework of Bitcoin, why is it that Bitcoin having a 21 million fixed supply ratio, how does it affect uh, in terms of the popularity and the demand level towards that fixed supply? And if you look at of course, Singapore landed property 73,000. It has almost been fixed for the last five to 10 years. When you look at condos, now we are at about 360K. We add on about 10,000 every year of new launch through government land sales. Even for 2024, you look at the government land sales first half plus second half add up is also about 10,000 units plus minus. And then when you look at HDB properties, now we have 1.2 million HDB, but we are adding on supply through BTOs. So how does that supply index affect the overall investment from a macro standpoint? So once you understand that, then we combine everything together, then it allows us to invest with confidence. So this basically, when I, when I was selling my jumbo, I sold at about 650,000, though that was a gain of about 90K. But actually you cannot see the 90K because of course like stamp duty, you already invested for renovation over here. I spent about 100,000 doing renovation. So technically it is a loss making property, but I'm very happy that in terms of happiness index, my kids grew up there, I'm happy there. But if I would have learned property investment frameworks at the start, I would definitely have went here because with this, three beta or maybe I would have bought like a four beta back then, a four beta was only about 800 over thousand in this condo. If I were to sell that eight years later in 2019, then the appreciation will be, be very different. Let me just show you what condo is that. So back then I was looking at this particular condo, which is Rio Vista. All right, so back then when I started looking at the three beta in that particular condo, in 2010, I didn't make the decision to go for it in 2011 because in the early part of 2011, I went to the HDB Jumbo already. So back then in 2010, when I was looking at it, a three beta cost, you can easily get something Oh, okay. It was actually 700 to 800 over thousand. Sorry, I made a mistake here. It's about 700 plus K. Of course, nowadays you cannot see this kind of pricing anymore. Okay, so a three bill was 700 plus, 800 plus. I think a four bidder back then should be about 900 plus over thousand. Okay, so let's just take that range. If I were to move forward all the way to 2019, there was a capital gain of 90K for this HDB. And of course, when you look at that, this uh, could easily exit about a million. So the capital gain was about 200 over thousand compared to 90,000. So back then in the whole real estate cycle in Singapore, 
This period was actually on a very, very, very slow growth because there were a couple of things that happened in between 2013. It was the switch towards smaller size units after TDSR. And of course, 2013 and 2016, the entire market was in a per two stage. Only after 2016, after QE happened in the States, after subprime crisis, then prices started to move up globally in terms of uh, solid assets like real estate. So of course, if you see the difference from 90,000 compared to like 200 over 1,000 gain, that is a, a huge difference technically already. And of course, take note that when we sell off this property back then, if I would have sold that condo at a million, by that time when I sold it, probably, for example, maybe the outstanding loan is about, I don't know, 400 over 1,000. With 600 over 1,000 cash out from cash and CP, of course, then um, in terms of the next property quantum, it will be very different already. That's just an example of my own personal painful journey. Uh, it's quite similar to the case study I showed just now uh, on Travelers is that they have taken action. I didn't take action. And of course, why am I sharing with you this? Uh, and why is it that we love to share case studies? Even my own case study is that we are all learning through the journey. And I don't want you to walk back in my shoes in the sense that if you are, if you still have uh, a long bandwidth to go and uh, let's say you, you are in your early 30s or, or maybe mid 30s, or even now, if let's say you are in your early 40s like me, or maybe you are in your, in your late 40s or maybe early 50s, there's still time to make certain correct decisions by using property framework. We just came up with a new syllabus. Now, first, this syllabus is what I call the property investment framework syllabus. What we're going to do is that this is also to be launched in conjunction with our PLB assembly. So PLB assembly, we are going to launch in 2024. One of, I think the first very important masterclass that we're going to launch. And of course, let me just show you. So these are the first few sets of masterclasses that we have crafted. Of course, they are core series for realtors. They are also core series for property investors. And how we're going to do is that this will all be launched in masterclass format. This is going to be like the school of real estate. We're very excited for this launch of this new school under the PLB brand. The first two things that, of course, I would love to share with our audiences is that uh, if you were to sign up for the masterclass, I think the first first things that we want to really share with the market is really about investment framework. So it's going to look like this. Let me just share with you a little bit about how this will, will, will look like. Basically, these are going to be like all the different kinds of investment frameworks, macro and micro, how to select properties, how to look at certain properties with higher level of capital appreciation factors and characteristics, how to use utilize our PLB mode analysis, tri-factor frameworks, and of course, a lot of different frameworks to look at. And this is going to help you with your journey as a property investor in Singapore. And we're also going to have one of the masterclass workshop on property expansion strategy. Some of the masterclasses will be catered towards realtors in Singapore. Some of the masterclasses will be catered towards property investors in Singapore. We hope to see you on some of our masterclasses very soon. Wait for the details. The new website is, is under construction now. It's going to come up very soon. We'll release more details. So thank you for supporting PLB on uh, our journey as well to add more value uh, through education, through webinars, through seminars, through masterclasses into the real estate industry in Singapore. All right, so back to today's episode. I think the key takeaway from today's episode is that um, here is that based on that framework of the happiness index, the investment methodology index, as well as the core fundamental characteristic of not timing your property, especially if it's like your main residential property. I think with that, it will be easier to make decisions if you combine macro and micro understanding of frameworks as well. So that's for today's episode. Uh, just using my illustration of my own case to share with you some of the key pain points. And uh, I hope that you can avoid that as well because 
even from moving from 2024 onwards, sometimes as we look back, we just need to understand the level of supply versus the level of demand in Singapore. Population is still increasing. We're still on track to 6.9 million by 2030. And of course, looking at all the URA master plan, expansion plans, in terms of our transportation network, amount of expatriates coming to Singapore, amount of naturalized citizens coming to Singapore as well, and amount of liquidity coming to Singapore as the main global financial center in the world. When we look back five years later, let's say by 2030, 2029, we look back, I think we'll realize that actually some of the PSF level of certain condos, apartments, landed properties today, when we look back, we'll, we'll be thinking, hey, I should have taken action in 2024. Of course, I'm not saying that you should buy anything. You need to, of course, understand that not every property will see capital appreciation. We share that a lot of times during our NOTG, during our webinars. You don't just go in blindly. So once you understand that, you're ready to go in, do your homework, understand the framework, select the correct type of properties because certain new launches see appreciation, certain new launches stagnate. Certain resale condos see appreciation, certain resale condos stagnate. Even for landed properties, if you don't buy the right one at the right time, when you want to exit, you find that it's very painful to exit because there's too many disadvantage inherent factors. Watch this particular episode, uh, the one that we walked through with Jake, our builder, on how to select a property if you want to plan for rebuild. And of course, last but not least, sign up for our NOTG uh, Telegram channel. We hope to see you there. Meantime, take care.